0: Hi, my name is Mark Lloyd. I perform under the name Marksman Lloyd. I'm a hip hop artist and spoken word poet, and I'm a sangroper. Grew up here. I was born in Albany. Um, Lived there till I was four. My first memory is um, a family friend who was uh, my age, or my parents' family friend's kid, smacking me on the head with a shovel that's uh that happened in albany so when i think of albany i picture that shovel coming down on top of me yeah violence (laughs) to date i would have to say the most difficult thing is being diagnosed with a life-threatening heart condition i think that takes the cake um pretty easily um that in itself was you know when i got the news was out of nowhere because there's no history of that in our family and uh i was running on a treadmill and I fainted yeah I fainted during the run and thought I was just maybe sick or maybe tired or just pushed myself too much but found out through stress tests and stuff that it was actually in my heart I grew up like an athlete you know like I was a good footy player good soccer player went on to be like a long distance runner and then at 25 been told that you got to stop all of that forever like you yeah, have this life-threatening thing out of nowhere um super scary um and then five years later as a result i had a defib put into my chest and um five years after that i was on stage and uh my heart went into an arrhythmia and my defib shocked me like you know the paramedics have the defib on the the chest it's like that um got shocked probably about 40 times maybe a bit more than that and really had to like confront death in a in a real way i know that's uh macabre but it was it was that um and i'd already been like struggling with the limitations of when you get a diagnosis like that it's really like you die a tiny death Mm because you lose such a big part of yourself and uh, such a big freedom and such a like you lose your innocence as well like the world is no longer well not no longer but it's not as not as optimistic and everything doesn't seem so possible it's like all of a sudden you're given these really strict limitations Mm -hmm. that in itself is enough to bear but then having the the near-death experience in the midst of that um that that knocked me for six like then you know it was full-on ptsd full-on anxiety all the like yeah I didn't collapse I was conscious the entire time so it was me being on stage performing like I normally do and it's funny because I grew up you know shy and introverted I still am it took me so long to get comfortable being on stage right like years of just throwing myself into it and being horrible at it until chipping away and getting all right and then all of a sudden the nervousness isn't the audience anymore it's like the condition this thing going on inside me and so it was fine for the first few minutes and I felt my heart go into an arrhythmia that feels like your breathing goes short you can feel almost feels like an anxiety attack when people have anxiety attacks they're always told don't worry you know you're all right it's going to come down for me it's like maybe not (laughs) maybe you won't be all right (laughs) so that you feel that and you know you start sweating it's it's quite easy to tell it's uncomfortable um I just tried to get off stage as quickly as possible I had a friend there in the crowd um she's a singer as well she'd been up singing and i just asked her to come out the front with me and i was trying to make my way through the venue to the front but as i was walking out it started going off and i remember people seeing it like because when it goes off it really jolts you it's like they say it's like getting kicked in the chest by a horse so everyone saw it like everyone standing in front of me while i was walking out and they all kind of like screamed and you know like what the hell um but I just continued to make my way out to the front. She came with me. A few of the staff at the venue came. And I'm just sitting there at the front of this venue trying to sip on a water. But this thing keeps shocking me. So I keep throwing water on myself. So I'm soaked. As they're all, you can see the panic in their eyes. They're all looking at me like this guy's about to die. You know, and you can see that. That's I think that's the scarier thing the look in everyone else's eyes. Because, you know, they all don't know what to do. They're on the phone to the ambulance. This girl's praying for me. That helped a lot having someone there praying for me got this word tattooed on my chest shalom peace or you know hello in Hebrew but more so peace for me um, and I, I remember just I kept repeating that and yeah one shock is usually all you need because that like resets your heart the idea is that it takes you out of the rhythm that you're in and resets your heart but for whatever reason it didn't work um you know you know you're you know, like not your little thing Iron Man has in his chest like that except to definitely doesn't make you feel more powerful. (laughs) I would say I've navigated it as best I can, which a lot of the time means pretty badly, to be honest. Like for a while, I was self-medicating. And when you've got PTSD, you know, you can be described, it can be described what PTSD is like, but until you feel it like living in fight or flight, like without reprieve all day every day I explain it like you know when you watch um, those like rock climbing videos and someone's climbing without a rope and you feel like sweaty in your hands you feel kind of nervous it's like times out by a hundred and just live in that and and it's exhausting and scary and you lose like your creative output you know like when you're just in survival mode it's really hard to I think about writing songs, I think about like being creative, or you kind of need baseline feeling safe to be able to do anything inventive or creative like that. so it was really just like battening down the hatches and just weathering the storm for a few years, and you know that was a delved back into alcoholism. you know I'd kind of beaten that and and was kind of on the straight and narrow, but you know you look at like soldiers who come back from war, the amount that fall into substance abuse alcoholism opioid whatever it might be it's like it's a real it's a real problem and when you're in it you get it right because you're just trying to you just don't want to feel you just want to feel numb It'd, it'd be better not to feel anything than than be in that place it's it's tormenting but you know we're lucky like I guess being in WA for one for our healthcare system and the fact that I've got access to good psychs and and good people um yeah i would say it's the people who community i would say community more so than you know don't get me wrong psychiatrists are great psychologists has been great um but that's like an hour of a week you know it's one thing to leave there feeling you know mildly um peaceful whatever it might be for half an hour but then you've got to face the rest of the week and It's always those like you know, you're by yourself at 4pm on a Tuesday, like just trying to get through it. It's just, it's been the people that have um, stuck by me. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's funny when you go through something life changing like that, and all of a sudden, you can't be the life of the party anymore, or not that I ever was, but you can't, you can't be the like, your fun self all the time, you know, you really see who actually cares about you, like who's there because they, they love you without needing you to give anything back or whatever so it's been cool to see um the amount of people who actually do care it's been hard to see the amount of people who fell by the wayside because that was a lot as well um but i also get it you know it's it's a scary thing and i think a lot of people don't want to confront the fact that death is a part of life and we're all going to die someday and when there's someone in your friendship circle whatever your group that like makes that very apparent to you i think it can freak people out But I would say one to you know, all the stoics talk about when you can contemplate or consider the fact that you're not um immortal, that you do, you know, like it, it does make you it does change your perspective on like where your focus is at in life and what's really important. I mean, I spent so long just wanting to blow up wanting to blow up and be famous and have all these accolades and things happen and You know, you go through something like this and it's like, I just want to feel good and peaceful and be around the people that I care about and get as far away as I can from the people who don't care about me at all and are only around me because of the other exterior. I remember my psychologist asking me, it was like a philosophical question. He was like, why do you think God kept you alive? In the sense, like, why do you think you didn't die when this thing happened? Why do you think you're still here? And when I thought about it, I was thinking about the work I do in schools or working with young people, disengaged people at risk, youth, and going in, running workshops, teaching them how to write songs, teaching them how to use lyrics as a form of therapy, seeing kids go from not knowing how to express themselves to coming out, having written a song, and being able to talk about some of their own struggles and turmoil in their own life. And I really think when I look back at when all was said and done that, that that'll be the stuff that I'm most yeah. proud of that I think was the most important that I think that that's what I'm you know proud of it's so um as, a, as an artist, I think any artist can tell you it, it becomes so it can be so narcissistic and you know self-aggrandizing and you're constantly thinking how do I market myself? how do I make people look at me how do I get attention and to be able to go and do something where you're still using your creativity you're still in that world but you're kind of helping others to do it facilitating that there's just something I don't know realer about it something deeper about it and it's it's interesting to kind of I wouldn't I don't know if I'm on the other side of all of this stuff but I'm definitely in a better place Um, and that can change from day to day but for the most part in a better place Um, when you when you lose everything You know what it feels like to, It gets you get to a point where you're like, oh, now no one can take anything away from me anymore because it all, everything evaporated, right? Like the career, I had to take a break from performing and that was my livelihood, all of that. And I had to go back to like, after the incident happened, I had to move back home for a while and, you know, I was like on hiatus from life. Mm. Um, But it shows you that you can be there. And still build again and I think when you build again you have a focus on like what's actually important to me and again all the stuff that is um uh, ancillary falls by the wayside and that's kind of cool because you don't have like you're not you're not like constantly chasing that carrot it's kind of you start I do things on my own timeline now you know I'm not in such a rush for everything and when it happens it happens if it happens it happens and You're just trying to, you know, enjoy it as you go. A lot of my um, background was like spoken word poetry and poetry slams and stuff like that. Getting back into that scene a little bit more. So doing more spoken word shows. And I think that'll be a big part of my future. I think when I get into my like, you know, the second half of life, it gets to a point where you don't want to see a dude on stage rapping about whatever. (laughs) I think, um, you know, I'd love to put out a book of poetry or, dare I say, even like a novel. I mean, that seems like such a crazy undertaking and scary to even say, but why not? Who knows? This story might be actually interesting to tell in long form. So maybe even something autobiographical. Everyone's trying to grow up so quick, right? And I wish I could have gone back and taken more risks, like been okay to fail more, been okay to just throw myself into different things and try it out and not not I wish I wasn't so afraid to I don't know risk at all like socially put myself out there more or adventure wise like just throw caution to the wind and, and leave and that's okay and fail and go broke when you're young and you know and that's not a big deal and I think um especially like you know when you when you grow up in a way where, if you, if everything's not handed to you, if you if you if you don't grow up with like generational wealth or anything like that, you you know your parents they were doing everything they could to get by, and the, the message a lot of the time was be safe, like like make sure you've got enough stored away, make sure you're doing all right, make sure everything's gonna be okay, and it's a very much like almost be afraid of the world mentality in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of the time kids need to be you need the opposite of that. You need to not be afraid to lose it all, start again. All of those things to really work out who you are and what's important to you and just develop your personality. So, yeah, if I could go back to my younger self, I think I'd say just take more risks. Don't be so scared of people. Don't be so scared of life. Even wanting to be a musician and doing that, you know, like bailing on journalism at uni and be like, no, I'm going to throw everything into music. Like, I'm glad I did that. But I think I could have done it in an even yeah. bigger way, or done it earlier than I did. Or yeah, when I when I'm working with kids in workshops or whatever it is, it's always I want them to, I guess, realize just realize who they are a bit more, what they care about a bit more, like be unafraid to be themselves and whatever that looks like for them. You know, well, I guess it's, so. It's like more like what is their value system? What is their what makes them feel alive and trying to bring that out of them a little bit more. So that would be part of the message um, for a bunch of kids, but for some, maybe not so much. And, you know, I mean, man, some of the kids, especially the at risk kids that I work with, what they've been through, they've been to hell and back, you know, and just to, all they want is some stability and just their whole life has been like people who threw caution to the wind and they just want to feel safe and listened to and, um, so, you know, it's obviously it's different for them, but um making them feel seen. I think is what it comes down to. It's interesting because now that this health thing has happened to me, I talk about it quite a bit. And a lot of the times I worry that it's going to define me or it's what people are going to think about when they think of me. And that scares me a little bit because I'm like, man, I'm so much more than going through that thing. But at the same time, it's one of those things that it is world shattering. And when people hear about it, they want to know about it, right? Like I think, those comeback stories are stories that we all need to hear to know that it's possible and yeah while, while I'm while I'm happy to talk about it it's interesting like having spoken to other people who have gone through similar health conditions or, or life-threatening health conditions or whatever it might be um, still wanting that to not define who they are or wanting to be seen for you know the other things they're passionate about and and you want to be, I think even as I say it, it's like you're reminding yourself of it as well because a lot of the time you can get caught up in like, oh, that's my story. That's, you know, that's the focal point. And it's not at the end of the day. I think it's a story of survival, you know, it's like a comeback story. It's like my, my rock.